One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI powered all star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at Shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. Hope you're well in general, general terms. I hope you're doing all right. Things are going well for you, that you're you're feeling happy and good. And uh, from a footballing point of view, I guess we should all be feeling a lot happier than we were just a couple of weeks ago when things were not as good as they could have been. And now they're still not as good as they could have been, but they're not as bad as they were. And that's the perspective we need. So we're going to touch on all the football stuff between now and the end of the show. The show which today is brought to you in association. That's a terrible sentence. The show which today. That's awful. That's awful. Uh, I'm not going to edit that out, though, just so I can relive the shame of that. Maybe it makes sense. Does it? The show which today. Yeah, it does make sense. It just sounds wrong in my head. Or does it? Does it make sense? I don't know. Now I don't know anything. It's like when you say a word over and over again, and it loses all meaning. Actually, it's not really anything like that at all. So I I don't know what I'm talking about now. But the show today is brought to you in association with Savile Rogue, which is Savile-Rogue.com, purveyors of the finest cashmere football scarves and other football scarves and slipper socks and gloves and hats and hip flasks and all kinds of stuff that you might want for yourself or indeed that you might want to get somebody for Christmas. And if you do, we've got an Arseblog discount code, which you can use. So stay tuned a bit later on when we do the Competition, which this week is for one of their Super King scarves, one of the really, really long scarves. And I'll give you the winner of last week's competition, which was three pairs of slipper socks. So stay tuned for that a little bit later on. And because of the week that I've had, I'm feeling quite contented and imbued with good spirit and generosity. I've also got a copy of Together, the story of Arsenal's unbeaten season to give away. A beautiful hardback book with a packet of uh, brilliantly illustrated postcards, which you can still buy on the site if you're looking for 
for a Christmas present. I'll give you details of that later on as well. So it's competition-tastic this week on the Arscast. Um, football to come, but the rest of the week, from my point of view, was really quite interesting indeed. Uh, myself and Mrs. Boggs were in London this week. Uh, we went over for the Football Supporters Federation Awards because I was nominated for the best blog. And uh, if you have been reading, you'll know that I won that. And thank you all very much indeed uh, for the votes because uh, it was a public vote. And that was what done it. Not necessarily my my quality or consistency or any of those other things. It was your votes. So thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate that a huge amount. Uh, but we were over there at the awards uh, in the uh, Renaissance Hotel, St. Pancras. Very swish indeed. Very nice. I uh, didn't get a chance, though, to tap up Sergio Aguero because he, he came very early in the evening, arrived very early in the evening better way to say that. Um, And they did the first award, the very first award, which was Writer of the Year, which was given to Amy Lawrence, which was fantastic and well-deserved and a a great reward for the consistency and and quality of the work that she's done over the years and this year in particular uh, with the fantastic Invincibles book. So I was delighted to see Amy go up and get her award. And then they did the Player of the Year award with Aguero. And there was this kind of awkward three-way between James Richardson, Aguero, and the translator awkward three-way interview, I should say. I am not choosing my words carefully today. The uh, the questions were posed to him in English by James Richardson. The translator would translate into Spanish. Aguero would reply in Spanish. The translator would go back into English, and so it went, and so it went, etc., etc. Uh, so he then pretty much buggered off. He didn't stay around for the dinner or, you know, have a bottle of cider with anybody. So I couldn't, I couldn't tap him up. Couldn't. I think probably my chances would have been quite limited anyway. Uh, But after the dinner, they did the Blogger of the Year Award, and uh, I went up and had a chat, and that that was really quite interesting. And then um, the table I was sitting at was right beside the stage, and there were a couple of steps going up onto the stage. And uh, the people who were presenting awards would wait there to go up before they were called. Um... So I'm sitting there having come back from doing a bit of an interview and the trophy is on the table there. And Robbie Savage is is lurking around, just kind of over my shoulder, waiting to go up on stage to present the award for best commentator to to Martin Tyler, as it turned out. And um, he looked down at the table and he went, uh, ass blog. I can't really do his voice, but that's kind of what it sounded like. You know, he's a bit high-pitched. He goes, ass block. And I went, um, yes. And he said, you hammer me, don't you? And I went, uh, sometimes. He says, I do read it. I do read it. To which I said, uh, really? And then he went off on stage to, to present his award. And that was my little interaction with Robbie Savage. And a very popular man. A lot of people there wanted their picture taken with with Robbie Savage. Um, After the awards, he was there. But my favourite, my favourite interaction of the evening came um, before the award ceremony had started. They had this reception upstairs. So you went in, you got a glass of champagne, everyone's standing around, and I'm there with Mrs. Bloggs, with Amy Lawrence, with uh, Tayo from uh, the Tuesday Club, who were nominated for the best podcast, but were beaten to it by the Guardian's Football Weekly. And uh, from the Guardian Football Weekly, I spotted Barry Glendening, fellow Irishman. And uh, obviously, we've interacted on Twitter and, uh, and that down the years. So I, I introduced myself to him. 
I said, oh, hi, I'm Andrew from Ars Blog. And he said, oh, well, very nice to meet you. And he was kind of looking at me a little bit funny. And uh, I turned to Mrs. Bloggs to, to, to introduce him. And I said, and this is my wife. And he sort of paused for a moment and, and said, you have a wife. Well, I'm not quite sure what he was expecting me to be like. I'm pretty sure that he had a different image in his head of, of what I was like. You know, when you hear of somebody on the radio or a voice on the radio, um, maybe not so much nowadays because there's websites and you can see what they all look like. But I, I distinctly remember being um, surprised and shocked a number of times when you would hear a DJ on the radio down the years and then you'd see a picture of him and you go, what the fuck? That can't be the guy. That's not, that's not the, how can that guy sound like that? That doesn't work. But it was very funny, so I have to um, doff my cap to him for that one. And he was a very nice guy indeed. Had a good chat. Some good shenanigans going on that night. It was fun times, fun times. So that was the Football Supporters Federation Awards. And again, thank you for all the votes and uh, for, for, for continuing to read and listen and all the other stuff that we give you. So uh, cheers. So, uh, the football then. Football. Football. That's what we're here for. And it was a midweek win over Southampton. 1-0. Our third win on the trot. Only for the second time this season have we won three games on the trot. The previous sequence of games, I've done this again. Look where I, 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 I say things that I meant to have researched and looked up. But the previous sequence of games was a win in the Champions League against Anderlecht, that, that late great. 2-1 win, a win against Sunderland, and a win against Burnley. And that's the only time we've won three in a row. But this three in a row was done without conceding a single goal. Three clean sheets in a row, which is very impressive as well. And um, we had our chances, a fair number of chances in fairness. I mean, we didn't really click as an attacking force, but it's easy to spot which goalkeeper was the busiest. And uh, as many people have pointed out, there's something faintly ridiculous about Michael Owen on BT. Now, I know there's something faintly ridiculous about Michael Owen on BT anyway, but in particular with this game where he bemoaned Arsenal's lack of threat and said that they didn't put Southampton under any real pressure and then awarded man of the match to Fraser Forster for the string of, frankly, incredible saves that he made. So it's just something... Not quite right about that when you think about it. But that's Michael Owen for you. He wasn't, as far as I know, nominated for Pundit of the Year at the Football Supporters Federation Awards. I wonder why. Can't, can't quite figure it out. But, um, yeah, I'm not quite sure why I got onto that. But uh, we won, in the end, through a goal by Alexis. A lot of people then talking about where would Arsenal be without Alexis? Where would they be? So I spent some time working this out. Went through all the stats, all the numbers... And uh, I figured out that we would be bottom of the old fourth division if we didn't have Alexis now. That's how bad it would be. The stadium would have been sold off and redeveloped into the world's biggest Aldi. And we will be playing in a ramshackle, wooden standard type place, you know, with a couple of overflowing portaloos, a, a muddy pitch, and a goal mouth so full of water it would be known as Lake Highbury just as a nod to our illustrious, illustrious past. That's how bad it would be. 
So we can thank our lucky stars that we've got Alexis. And you know what we might do now? Uh, we might talk to our guest this week. You might remember him from such arsecasts as the Arsecast Extra on Monday, stepping in at short notice uh, due to um, circumstances beyond my control, is James from Gunnerblog. Hello there. Hello. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm back. Yeah, stepping in at the last minute, in fairness, so you're doing doing the world a service. This is like an Arsecast Extra Extra. Yeah, extra, extra. Extra, extra. Um, So, look, we discussed the game on Monday and what we thought might happen, probably. I can't remember if we did or not now. It was mainly about um, Weetabix, wasn't it? It was. It was, and I saw some actual people backing you up there on Twitter. I just didn't have the wherewithal to reply. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for the support. I will have to try this, then. I have to try this. Apparently, it's on the box. Really? Yeah. Who knew that the instructions for Weetabix were so set in stone? But, I mean, you know. Do you think they have a Weetabix testing lab where they go in and discover the best way to do it? I don't know, but if they do, I want that job. Mm. All right. Well, um, Weetabix aside, I'm Mm. pretty sure we did mention the fact that we were playing Southampton. Um, Got there in the end. Got there in the end, but it was it wasn't easy, and I don't suppose we we could really have expected it to be easy, given the the start that Southampton have had to the season and and the impact that Ronald Koeman has had on the side. Lots of people expected them to just fall away after who was there or Pochettino, that guy, yeah, uh, and all their players went to Liverpool. But you know they they've responded really well. So the fact that it was a difficult game for us to make the breakthrough. I don't know that it's necessarily a reflection of us entirely, if you get me. No, and I think if you look at the results we'd had so far this season, everyone was pointing out that I think in the league we'd only beaten teams who were sort of 14th and below. So the fact that when we come up against a side who's actually above us in the table, it takes a little bit more patience and a bit more work, shouldn't come as any surprise, really. Nor should it be a surprise that they were very organised. They had great shape, you know, they had two banks of four and... They were difficult to break down, and it was a quite a cagey game, particularly in the first half. I mean, mm. the first half was a little bit dull, I would suggest, because it just was a game of not too many chances. A couple of decent chances at both ends, but uh, I read Good Player's blog this morning, and he said it was a strange game in that it was one where there wasn't really, until the last 10 minutes, a period where either side exerted a great deal of pressure. Yeah. It was just all quite tepid, you know? It was a bit, but, you know, there's that whole thing of cancelling each other out. And in a way, you know what I, I quite liked was the fact that despite the fact that we did try a bit more in the second half, not just to say we weren't trying in the first half, but I think there was a bit more intent from us to try and win the game in the second half than there was in the first, but we didn't lose our heads. Mm. We didn't go gung-ho. We didn't go cavalier. We maintained the shape as much as possible. Um, and try to, to build the pressure and build some chances. And in fairness, we, we did that, um, particularly after Olivier Giroud came on. Yeah, I thought that was one of two things that really swung the game in our favour. Um, his introduction being one of those, and, and the other being the injury Southampton suffered that took them down to 10 men. I think that that probably was a factor. But Giroud was fantastic. And it's funny, isn't it? You know, I, I think... We're going to see this narrative play out across the season about who should be starting at centre forward. The, the problem for Giroud is he keeps making a brilliant case for himself as a super sub. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, he keeps coming on and changing games. He did it at Everton right at the start of the season, came on, had that big impact against Man U, scored that superb goal, and I thought transformed the game. It just, as the, as the pattern of the play developed, it became clear, I think, that we needed someone like him who could 
you know, take the ball back to goal and, and contest things in the box as well. We were putting a lot of crosses in, but weren't really threatening from them. Yeah, I mean, isn't it nice though to have a genuine option from the yeah. bench? And, and I, I think people are talking about who's going to start up top, Welbeck and Giroud. And I don't think it's an either or situation. I think it depends on the on the opposition. It depends on our uh, fatigue and how tired we are in certain games. So they're both going to get chances to start games. But what you can see um, that if Giroud starts, for example, and doesn't do it, then you've got a, an, an option in Welbeck who gives you something different, a bit more pace, uh, a bit more power perhaps. He's a, he's a kind of a stronger guy than, than Giroud in the challenge anyway. But Giroud then, when you need him to come on, the, the flicks and tricks in around the box. I mean, the chance he set up for Welbeck was fantastic. It was reminiscent of the, the FA Cup, a little back heel. Yeah, and the, you get the option to, to play both as well, which is always you know, really interesting. It was great to see them link up for that chance. Brilliant save from a keeper who was in inspired form. But I think that's maybe an area of Giroud's game that gets a bit overlooked. I think people talk about his you know, his aerial presence, his hold-up play, but his vision is superb and his ability to, to see runs from other players and have the imagination as well as the technique to find them. Mm. I think it's probably his greatest strength in, the, in you know, those little quick one-twos around the penalty area. Yeah. Um, the man who got the goal, Alexis Sanchez, um, Arsene Wenger described him as fabulous and the impact that he's had on the team as fabulous. And uh, mm. somebody posted a graphic of the of the goals that he scored for us in the league, and they're pretty much all in around the box, in around the six-yard area. He is obviously a tremendous player uh, from distance, too. He, he's got a great shot on him. He's creative. But he is a real poacher, a fox in the box at long last. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's probably related to, to desire as well. You know, people always say about goal scorers, you need to want to make those runs. You need to go that extra yard to be in the box and, and be in those areas when the ball breaks. And invariably he is. I think, you know, he, he, I actually thought he didn't have a great game, I have to say. I mm. thought it was probably his worst performance in a while. Maybe he's a little bit tired. I think that would be understandable after his recent exertions. Um, but nothing was really coming off for him. And yet... He was still the man who was there to put the ball away. And I think that, that speaks volumes, really. Arsene Wenger said he dug deep. And he's someone who you can really rely on to do that. And mm. I think whether he starts in the centre or when he starts wide, he has that kind of that Robert Pires instinct to be in the right place when the ball breaks inside the penalty area. Yeah, that's very true. That It is complete instinct, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't think, you know, I think that's hard for players to learn, to be honest. I think it's kind of... Inherent. Yeah, that's the whole concept of instinct, I guess. I guess what I'm doing is just <laughs> repeating myself. Yeah. Um, but at some point, uh, and we've maybe he wasn't that um, uh, as impactful. Is that the right word I, I, uh, against West Brom? And certainly, I think against uh, Southampton, he struggled a bit, and maybe was a bit more careless in possession. The offset of that, of course, is that he he can get you these goals. But I think at some point, when you look at the the upcoming schedule. And they were talking today about how there's going to be a round of league games on uh, January the 1st, that weekend, or, or that that day. And then there's going to be the FA Cup on the first weekend of January. So you're looking at less than 48 hours between certain games. And I think there's uh, another um, couple of fixtures really close together in December. Now, he's 
I suppose, enjoyed is the right word, a winter break uh, for mm-hmm. as long as he's been playing professional football because he was in Italy and he was in um, he was in Spain, obviously, and they have the winter break there. At some point, we are going to have to take that into account. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at the, the league and thinking, right, well, you know, w- we need him in the, in the Premier League as much as possible. Is the upcoming game against Galatasaray is that a chance for the manager to to give him a rest? You have to think so because looking at the league fixtures we've got in December, they're fairly tough. The next few, so we go to Stoke, uh, then we host Newcastle United, who've been in decent enough form, mm. and then we go to Anfield. So you'd think those are all games in which we'd want Alexis at our disposal. So I think the Galatasaray one could be the one. I mean, I think it, it might be related as well to the availability of Theo Walcott. Maybe sure. the, ma- the manager sees Theo as a player who gives you some of those qualities Alexis does, and, and when he becomes available, we might be able to afford Alexis a rest. But I, I wonder, with with our chances of winning the group quite slim, mm. given that you know you'd probably expect Dortmund to get a result in their final game, although God only knows, given the way they're going at the moment, um, I wonder if that is a game where Arsene Wenger will rotate his squad a fair bit. Yeah. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure that that's what I would do because I do think that our our fortunes in the Champions League, you know, with the draws, are so bad that I think you've got to give yourself every chance you can of winning the group. But I think, you know, perhaps needs must in this instance. That that is the the challenge. One of the challenges of management, I guess, is that yeah. you have to weigh up the the physical needs or or, or uh, issues that players have because you know every player is carrying a bit of fatigue or a bit of a, a niggle to some extent or another. Mm. But it's how then you you balance the need for a good draw in the Champions League with the need to go through December, um, you know, with with good results in the Premier League. Like you say, the, the, the Stoke on, on Saturday, then Saturday the 13th is Newcastle, and there is then an eight-day gap between Newcastle and our uh, our next game, which is away to Liverpool. So perhaps there is, within that eight-day period, a real chance to, to get players uh, rested and physically prepared because it's Liverpool, Queen's Park Rangers. Two days later, we play West Ham. Three days later, we play Southampton. And two days after that, we've got the third round of the FA Cup. So... You know, how does how does the manager try and, uh, in a way, he's kind of damned damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you if you planning for your next trip, elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. rest a player and you don't get the result you want against Galatasaray and Dortmund's result goes badly then you're you're crucified but equally if you overplay somebody like Alexis and he picks up an injury you're done as well yeah that's it I mean I guess what you do is that you take Alexis to Turkey with you you sit him on the bench and you know if if Dortmund are 3-0 down what have you you've Mm. always got him in reserve if you need to go and win that game but I think to be honest, I think we've got a squad that's capable of getting a result out there, even without him. You know, it's not like uh, the situation at the back where I think the likes of Mertzaka are really going to feel a massive strain over the coming weeks because they're going to be asked to play probably every single game. Um, in forward areas, especially when Walcott comes back and with Oxlade Chamberlain, Welbeck, Giroud fit now, I think we've got players who, you know, we can mix it up. We saw a bit of Lucas Podolski last night. Eight minutes. Eight minutes, eh? Yeah, I know. Um, (laughs) He must be delighted with that. (laughs) But I, uh, you know, I I do think that we've got options there and I think we can forward and rest. And that, looking at the fixture list, Mm. that would be the the one for me. Although I have to say it's difficult to envisage too many players playing all those games over the Christmas period. When you you list them like that, gaps of two days between games, there's going to be enforced rotation then as well, you'd imagine. Yeah, it's just how we rotate in certain positions because I think Debushi was talking this week about uh, being back on uh, for the game against Queen's Park Rangers on the 26th of September. And right. I, I was kind of a bit hopeful he might be back uh, a little before that because uh, Arsene Wenger did mention Lauren Koscielny's Achilles mm. um, and how the tendonitis in one of them is completely gone, but in the other... Not so much. So we are walking a tightrope. And to me, I have to say, last night, Nacho Monreal looked like, I thought he had a good game, but to me, looked like a guy who was pl- playing through a bit of pain. Um, yeah, from early on, I thought that yeah. was clear. I know he got a whack, but anyway, regardless of that, he does have this strange kind of stumpy running style, but uh, he, he just looked a bit sore. Yeah, and we know that Lauren Koscielny is, is play, playing through a bit of pain. You know, if if that Achilles is still a little bit of a worry, he's probably feeling it to an extent. I mean, it's a really difficult one, Koscielny, because what do you do if you if you sit back and wait for it to go entirely? You might be waiting until the end of the season. Mm. Um, and we were in slightly dire straits, and we needed to bring him back. But it, you know, he does need to be carefully managed. Not ideal that obviously Kieran Gibbs picked up that knock at West Brom, but hope, uh, hopefully he'll be fit again soon. Yeah, he was on the bench. Um, exactly. against uh, against Southampton so it can't be too bad but that Debussy one's surprising because I thought 
yeah, I thought the indications were that he'd be back a bit earlier than that. Yeah, I mean, whether positive. whether that was back for first team training, whether that was his return to to proper full contact training, Maybe, uh, yeah. I don't know. But it depends how quickly you can get him back into into the team because I think that would uh, provide us with at least a bit of balance and a bit of uh, a bit of wiggle room, if you like, to to rotate our central defenders because Callum Chambers uh, could move across and and play in there a little bit as well. Mm. Yeah, that would that would be good. And um, we discussed the goalkeeper on Monday, and uh, the the question was whether or not Chesney should come straight back into the side. Um, I, I'm still of the opinion that he should, but he had another very impressive display against Southampton last night. His kicking was very good. Um, his confidence is obviously high. Because there was that moment in the, I think in the second half, where they put in a free kick, and he came miles out off his line to to claim the ball, and he claimed it with real confidence and assurance. Um, what's your thoughts on it? Should Martinez continue even when Chesney is back fit again, or does the fact that Martinez has has in these games that he's going to play taken a real step forward just provide the the right competitive atmosphere? Uh, for for the goalkeepers uh, over the course of the season, it's a really tough one. I I think Martinez has done brilliantly. I think he's surpassed all our expectations, really, and he seems to be loving this opportunity. You know, he's waited a long time for a run like this in the team. He came over quite a few years ago now, and he's uh, he's taking it. You know, with all the authority that he's taking those crosses out the air. It's, it's such an unfamiliar feeling when a ball goes in the box and as an Arsenal fan, you're, you're not sort of gulping nervously. Mm. Um, I've always been of a mind that Chesney should come straight back in. The problem for Martin is that it's not just Chesney's got to worry about. Uh, David Ospina, I think, is due to return to training around the same sort of time as Mathieu Debussy. Yeah. So he'll go from playing regularly to probably third choice. If you think about when those games against, say... Galatasaray way or or even the FA Cup games in January roll around if a spin is available Wenger's probably going to want to look to give him a game because he's, he's barely figured this mm. season so Martins will suddenly find himself at the back of a, a significant queue really that's so another I'd, challenge yeah for the manager because it, it is difficult to keep a third choice keeper happy and even a third choice keeper like Vito Manone who when he looked at the situation must have said right I, I completely understand why I'm the third choice keeper here but you you can if you want to get, if a player wants to play it's very very difficult to to keep them happy. Yeah. You know and Ospina is 25. He's not a 33 34 year old that you can say wow, you know. Um so yeah that that's going to be an interesting one, isn't it? He's 25 and a regular international who mm. want to keep his place. I I wonder if there's some I mean Arsenal's probably the only club where a third choice keeper gets games because of the injury problems we have. But uh I wonder if maybe Martinez is there the possibility of a loan spell, another loan spell for him uh, with a recall option? I don't know, because it'll feel like a, a big shame for him at the age he is kind of, is he, what is he, 21? 22, like 21, 22, right. I think. Yeah, uh, he's, he's, make, he's got great momentum and he's making great strides in his career. And to go back to, well, not even sitting on the bench at Arsenal yeah. will kind of inevitably slow that. So I do wonder if he might be knocking on the door in January looking for a, a temporary move if it's something we can afford to do. Mm. I suppose that's what you want from a player, though. When he gets his chance, 
he takes it to the extent that you're then left with a conundrum about what to do. You know, it'd be much... Maybe that's a better problem to have than a guy who comes in and you go, well, we kind of got away with playing him for a few games. Um, and uh, let's let's never talk of him again. Yeah, it's absolutely what you want. And it's what Lukas Fabianski did to great effect last season. Uh, and, you know, if you look at Wojciech Szczesny, his best spells of form tend to have been when he's had that kind of competition invigorating him. So hopefully it will bring the best out in the, the number one. Mm, all right. Uh, finally, we're playing Stoke tomorrow. Mm. Um, I know that we got beaten badly away from home a number of times last season. Uh, you think of Stamford Bridge, you think of Anfield, Everton, um, demoralising. But I have to say that Stoke game sticks in my head as one that was really, really damaging too. Um, Remind me, I, I think I've blocked it out, like some kind of trauma. I, 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 I 1-0, wasn't 1-0, it? 1-0, and I think it could have been a penalty, um, and it could have been... Oh, I think it was Jonathan Walters who took the penalty. Um, it might have been... I can't remember who gave the penalty away. I suspect it might have been uh, Lauren Koscielny. It's good to know, by the way, that whatever day we record, the lorry is there waiting for us. I, I'm, yeah, I, well, I, I, it was late notice, but I gave him a ring. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a Jonathan Walters penalty with about 15 minutes to go. I suspect it was Koscielny that gave it away. Um, and that game sort of came just before the FA Cup game against Everton. Um, we won against Tottenham afterwards, but our league form went bad then. After that, there was the Chelsea game, uh, a draw with Swansea, if you remember, draw with Man City. We lost to Everton. Um, uh, so I, I think that was a precursor for some of our bad form. And I think had we, you know, had we won that game against Stoke, we'd have uh, kept up a bit more momentum. Difficult place to go at the best of times anyway. It's always difficult to, to go there. Although, interestingly, this season, I think they've actually fared better away from home than they have at the Britannia. Um, I mean, obviously, sod's law, that'll, that'll change this weekend. They'll find their, find their form again. But, uh, you know, there's a great enmity between between the two sides, between the two managers, even in this post Pulis era. Yeah. Mark Hughes and Arsene Wenger aren't exactly the best of friends. So I think it'll be a really tough one, but it's one I would absolutely love to win. So, you know, fingers crossed we can get the result that we need. All right. Okay. Well, look. Thank you for stepping in at such short notice. Um, we'll chat again on Monday after the after the game against Stoke for the Arscast Extra. Uh, until then, have a good one. Thanks. Bye. You know where to find James. He's at Gunnerblog on Twitter, at Gunnerblog, or on Gunnerblog.com. Gunnerblog.com. So check it out if you don't already. Now, before we crack on, we're going to do something we don't normally do here on Arsblog or on the Arscast. Um, I don't do any charity stuff on, on the site at all because there's so many great worthy causes out there that if you do one, you can't really turn down another. So my policy in general is not to do any at all, but just sometimes. Something comes along and uh, it's just impossible not to be touched by the message and what it's trying to do. And that's very much the case with this. So it's only a very short 30-second commercial, which I hope you'll listen to and pay attention to. And we'll do all the Savile Rogue and competition stuff right after this. This Christmas, Arsblog is asking you to donate to a very worthy cause. The Send Michael Owens Somewhere to Learn Not to Say Stupid Shit All the Time Fund. With your help, we can make him sound like a person, 
not a brain damage lab experiment. And even if we don't get enough money to provide the teachers he needs, we can still send him somewhere really far away. The Send Michael Owen Somewhere to Learn Not to Say Stupid Shit All the Time Fund. Please give what you can. Donations of communicable diseases also accepted. By no means am I a wealthy man, but that's certainly something that I would donate to. Particularly the far away, the far, far away part. Yep, yep. Sorry, I'm just imagining him far, far away. I'm thinking like out into space far away. Let's hope we can make this happen for, for everyone. What a Christmas it would be. Now, Savile Rogue are the makers of the best scarves in the world. As if you didn't already know that, they're also the makers of the best slipper socks in the world. So congratulations to Deborah Byard, Jeff Markman, and Kieran Heads. Well done to you three. The random number generator has picked your names, and you are the winners of a pair of slipper socks each from Savile Rogue. This week, we've got one of their brilliant Super King scarves. It's long, it's warm, it's red and white, it's worth 90 pounds, and we have got one of those to give away to a lucky winner. All you have to do, please, is tell me uh, the three players playing for us at the moment that used to play for Southampton. So who are the three Arsenal players at the moment who used to play for Southampton, seeing as we just beat them? Remember? That was good. Entries, please, to competition at arsblog.com. That is competition at arsblog.com. And we'll give you the winner on next week's show. If you want to do some shopping on the Savile Rogue website, all you have to do is go to savile-rogue.com, peruse the stock, all the great things they have there for yourself or for Christmas presents. And if you want a 10% discount, simply use the code arsblog14 at checkout. That is arsblog14 when you're checking out, you get 10% off. So Savile-Rogue.com. Go look at that now. Also, we've got a copy of the book to give away. Together, the story of Arsenal's unbeaten season, written by myself and Andrew Allen, comes with a packet of those uh, illustrated postcards. All you have to do to enter that competition is answer the following question. Which player who had a big role to play in the uh, unbeaten season announced his retirement from football this week? Kind of a, kind of a big role. Maybe a bit part player. Yeah, I know. I don't want to overstate it. But which player announced his retirement this week? Answer to competition at arsblog.com. There's no problem with entering both competitions, but if you are going to do it, please make them separate. So enter once for Savile Rogue and once for the book competition. I know you have to send two emails. Talk about a first world problem. My goodness, but please do it that way. Uh, It just makes it easier for me and for the random number generator to possibly pick you out as the winner. So this weekend, we go to Stoke. And as we spoke about with James, that was uh, a bad, bad defeat last year. A bad defeat. Uh, losing to a team with Charlie Adam in it always annoys me. And uh, losing to a team with Charlie Adam in it, who is Stoke, well, that's even more annoying. But look, we know we've got something of a history with Stoke uh, over the last few years. Um, because of, obviously, Shawcross and Ramsey and Tony Pulis, and obviously now with Mark Hughes there, Mark Hughes and Arsene Wenger, not the best of pals either, and their fans are, you know, 
yeah. So um, this is a game I would very much like us to win, not simply for the three points, but because there's just a bit of something to it. And it's one of those atmospheres that can become quite charged and, and they do really get behind their team. And I suppose it's going to be a test of our mental strength as, as much as anything else. Our physical capabilities, of course, will be tested by Stoke, who do play a physical game. And I watched them last weekend playing Liverpool, and they were quite unlucky not to be winning that game before Glenn Johnson's goal uh, won it for Liverpool right at the end. Uh, Bojan, or Bojan, Bojan, whatever you want to call him, the former Barcelona guy, uh, played really well that day, cracked a shot off the post when he probably should have scored, and they were dangerous. And when they get a bit of momentum behind them, they, they really can be quite dangerous, as we know ourselves. But we're going into this on the back of three wins, on the back of three clean sheets. I know some people have said, look, it wasn't the greatest opposition in the world, but Southampton are a top-four team um, thus far. I think one of the only teams we've beaten that's that high up the table. Dortmund, even if they were a bit off their game, still turned us over quite mercilessly uh, a few weeks previously. Um, so I think we can take encouragement and, and confidence from that. And maybe just us having that little bit of momentum might be what it takes to get a good result. Obviously, you don't want to give them a gift of a goal like we did last season with the penalty. Uh, we need to take our chances. Not even the introduction of Yaya Sanogo last season could, could save our bacon that time. Uh, but we've got more players around who can score goals. Uh, with Giroud, with Welbeck, with Alexis. And it would be good to see perhaps a couple of others uh, step up, particularly those in midfield. You're looking at Santi Cazorla, who so far has only got one goal this season. And he's taken, I've checked the stats, 803 shots. 800, that's incredible. He hasn't got his shooting boots on yet. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, a player who has been impressive, but who could probably, in fairness, score more goals. He needs to uh, start adding that to his game. Aaron Ramsey, um, we've got to temper the need for him to score goals with the desire or with the need for him to, to actually do his defensive duty. He's been criticized for being a bit too goal-getty without getting the goals. Like he's really trying to score and it's just not happening. But it would be good if the midfield could chip in too because we've got enough about us to score goals against that Stoke defense, I think. And if we can keep it tight at the back, if we're not too knackered, if we're not down to brass tacks in terms of personnel, then you've got to hope that we can, we can go there and take the three points. Following that, of course, then, is an away trip to Galatasaray, and that's where the manager might have to make some decisions about rotating and resting his squad a little bit. But we shall see how it goes. So, look, let's keep fingers crossed, then, for tomorrow, that we can get some payback on, on last year, which was a, an annoying annoying result at the what the fuck is the name of our stadium wanker arena i can't remember what's it called i should look it up but i could just think of other names for it while i'm doing that the twat park what is it called the prick venue no stadium of shite um Cunford Bridge. I don't know. Cock Meadow. Mary Cousin Lane. I'm going to have to look it up. Oh, the Britannia Stadium. Yes, of course. The Britannia. I think my names are better. 
they could take that under advisement. I'll happily act as a consultant and take some of their money so I can donate it to the fund to make Michael Owen go far, far away. Let's keep it all across then for three points, and we'll talk on Monday on the Arsecast Extra with James. So until then, have yourselves a great weekend. Cheers. Bye-bye. Young man called to my door the other day, rapped on it like an old postman. Can I help you? I said. Yes, he said, I'm looking for somebody. Who might you be looking for? I said. Only me here. I'm looking for Hector Bellerin, he said. Who the devil? Is Hector Bellerin, I replied. I want to see Hector Bellerin now, he said. I'm afraid I don't know Hector Bellerin, I said. Hector Langhammer? We were fast friends back in the day, but he was bayoneted by a jerry in the war. Let me see Hector Bellerin, he said. Look, I said, there's no Hector better in here. Now, why don't you fuck off? Which is exactly what he did. But if I ever find out who this Hector Bellerin character is, there's going to be trouble. Big trouble. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.